Welcome to episode 13 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women, and their parents, to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, last episode, you may recall that we introduced the topic of exchanges by use of a sobering allegory about an aircraft whose pilot, driven by unwarranted beliefs about the climate and his ability to change it, actually cut back all the power to the engines, at one point dropping them off, in order to reduce his carbon footprint. Never mind that his decision sent the airliner into a macabre, silent death spiral with the support of the crew and a majority of the plane's passengers. In this decision, the pilot made a deliberate exchange of reality, that is, the safety of his passengers depended upon maintaining his airspeed, for an illusion that the safety of his passengers was perhaps better served by protecting them from rising temperatures. As a footnote, I guess that killing them was one way to protect them from rising temperatures. You can hear more about that allegory and how our students addressed those issues in episode 12. This week, as promised, and as a preamble to welcoming our students to re-enter the offices of hypothesis, we're going to examine why people make these irrational exchanges. Since early 2020, I think you would agree that we have witnessed an unsettling and stunning surrender of fundamental liberties by Americans across all political spectrums. It has been suggested by some that this quick acquiescence to authoritarian claims, masquerading as a protection from a novel virus, manifests at its core a fear of death. But I don't think that's an adequate explanation. If people fear death, they would change all of their habits, not just the ones pertaining to one particular subject. If the impetus behind the mass surrender of liberties, the wearing of dirty facial mold colony depositories, and injecting themselves with experimental gene-altering drugs containing many known and far more unknown health hazards were driven by fear of death, why would these same submissive folks continue to smoke, to eat processed foods and other known carcinogens, drive too fast, maybe drive in the lane next to an emergency vehicle on the side of the road as someone did recently, drink excessive alcohol, or engage in other reckless behavior. Perhaps it is fear of death by one means, but I think there's a better explanation for the sudden worldwide change of behavior that we have been witnessing since the beginning of 2020. The quick submission to authoritarianism, no matter how irrational the demands, accompanied by the aggressive policing of one's neighbors to conform them to your fears, is not so much evidence of fear of death as it is fear of losing material prosperity. The capitulation to masks, these experimental gene-altering drugs, and house arrest may present itself as a fear of death, 
but is in reality the attempt to fend off or delay the loss of the little things. The little things that distract modern society, like TV, sports and other entertainment, food, social media, financial security, social status, and the mirror. And yes, I said the mirror. What do I mean by that? Well, a narcissistic society loves the mirror both figuratively and literally, and the enemy uses this base level of self-love to distract us from looking at the one who made us. I actually saw a woman yesterday taking a selfie in a parking lot behind the restaurant where she was emptying her employer's trash into one of those big green steel bins, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Maybe she had a rational purpose that wasn't obvious to those who passed by, but it would appear that not even the most mundane of tasks can escape the narcissism of the cell phone selfie, right? As long as we believe that we can retain these little things, it appears that we may surrender everything, including the big things that give rise to the very existence of these little things. Of course, we should fear death in the sense that we are all, but for Christ, under the wrath of God. That kind of fear of death is a healthy fear of death, and it is the best medicine for an unhealthy culture. Why? Well, because fear of God's wrath leads to repentance, forgiveness, regeneration of the heart, and renewal of the mind, all of which contribute to a society committed to truth and love. On the contrary, fear of loss of the little things, what we call ephemeral or temporary matters, produces some of the most selfish behavior, leading to the destruction of all order and loss of life, liberty, sovereignty, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, the big things which give the little things their meaning. This, I think, is what we see on the stage before us. When we return, we shall, as is our custom, enter the offices of hypothesis to discern and digest these matters further. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist, a weekly squidget, a word that Penelope doesn't like, devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. No, I just remember you always used to make fun of me using that word squidget. No, it's a cute word. Uh, a cute word. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that I've coined. Okay, with me in the studio today, you've, I've already revealed that Penelope's... <laughs> Penelope! <laughs> oh, Sounds no. like a kind of pasta. Penelope's back in the studio. Looks like Roger's Aloha. here with us. Hello. But And we have a return of our splash pad attendant. Alex. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Alex, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Okay, let's get right to it. We are now entering the... Offices of Hypothesis. Thank you. Our hypothesis this week is a refrain from the opening. 
and that is the crazy behavior we have witnessed since the beginning of 2020 is a manifestation of a fear of losing the little things. True or false? Or would you like me to read it again? Yeah, please read read it it again. again? Because it's a long one. (laughs) The crazy behavior that we've witnessed, right? The surrendering of liberties and the masking ourselves and taking a toxin into our skin and, and, and telling our neighbors to stay away from us. This kind of thing, is it a manifestation of a fear of losing the little things? Alex? Define the little things. I just did in the he opening. Did the intro. intro. Little selfies and such. Okay, I just want to be clear. TV, entertainment, sports, your job, status in society. Fear of losing. I mean, yeah, yes, I think that, that it's fear of losing the little things. But I think it also reveals that deeper than fear of losing the things is if you're afraid of losing the things, then is that all you have? Yeah, that might get into a more of a metaphysical question, which we'll get to later. So we have Roger's answer. Penelope or Alex? I'm going to go back to Alex. True or false? True. Okay. I'm going to say true as well. All right. So Alex or Penelope, can you give me any support or evidence? At the beginning, I gave you my own observations and experience. Can you give me some of yours that might be in addition to or confirm the things that I spoke about? Um, well, I was also going to say, if you mean, like, the little things, also, they're, even though they think they're saving, like, they're still having their little things, like, if you talked about, like, sports, they're still, like, losing them, like, they were shut down for a while, so even though they think they're, like, like, they still keep some of the things, but they're not keeping all of them also. Well, okay, but I think that's, like, that's the reason why. They will do anything if it means they can get their sporting events back, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys know that I'm a huge sports fan, especially hockey. And it's very, any sports fan knows how depressing it was in 2020 watching sports with no fans in the stands. It was, it was surreal. Alternatively, you could just not watch sports. Right. But for those who were interested in watching sports, it would appear that they were willing to do anything in order to get, oh, if I could just get that back, right? Mm-hmm. Or if I can just and go back. And then it makes it seem like a big thing. Yeah. Because... And so you have government and media and tech all saying, okay, we'll give you that back. First of all. Makes you question on on whose authority do they have to decide, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that yes, that as Penelope said, it, those things, um, the devotion to sport is one of those little things that we're talking about, and they're willing to do anything. I had people say to me, um, you know, if we can get back to normal if you just wear a mask, and I said to them from the start, I said, the mask is a bridge to the vax. So, oh no 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 no, no that's not coming. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. Um, (laughs) arrived at your destination, except the train is still going. The train is never arriving. Well, what else from your experience have you seen or have you not seen people willing to give up anything to preserve these little things? I think it ultimately speaks to people's want for meaning and something that actually matters since a lot of these people aren't Christians and don't believe in God, then they have to assign meaning to something. So they assign that to material things, whether that's their image on social media or their entertainment. They want that thing and they need that thing. So that is why people are so frantic about this pandemic because they are willing to put that aside to assign meaning to a new thing, which is safety. So, Okay. So that, and that is an exchange, right? They've exchanged liberty for 
what they what appears to them to be safety. I would call it an illusion of safety because it's not really number one. It's being offered by someone who can't really provide them safety. And as we touched on last week, Alex wasn't here, but um, if you go to episode twelve, we talked about safety from what, right? Maybe say even assuming for a moment that the person promising you safety could protect your health, at what expense? At the expense of your liberty, at the expense of personal and national sovereignty, at the risk of all of the other problems. How about either other health issues, right? We're only talking about one health um, concern if we're talking about a particular virus, but we're willing to sacrifice suicides, heart attacks, and all other manner of death because there's only one death that we should really fear, right? Uh, Which, by the way, seems to prove the point that it's not just fear of death because it was fear of death we would also be seeing society try to prevent heart attacks, suicide, pneumonia, and all of the other mm-hmm. kinds of death or natures of death, right? Okay. Now that I have your answers or, or the beginnings of your answers, I'm going to clarify or enter what we call a caveat, fancy law school word, which is to say that there's actually a stipulation or a limitation to this question, which I omitted previously, but it brings the discussion to its metaphysical destination, before I go on, do you know what metaphysics are or what, a, what I mean when I say metaphysical destination? It's the ultimate, like what's behind, what's real. What's behind or at back of, right? Meta, at back of or behind the physical, right? So when we talk about what is the metaphysical destination, we mean at what, what is the reality at back of the subject that we're talking about, right? What is your view of reality? What is your metaphysics? Okay, so here we go. If the crazy behavior we have witnessed since the beginning of 2020, this surrendering of liberties, this exchange of our personal sovereignty for the illusion of safety, if the, you know, staying under house arrest in in exchange for, well, one day I'll be able to watch my sports again, right? If this is a manifestation of a fear of losing the little things, what is the cause of that fear of losing the little things? And I will say that Alex just touched on it a little bit. What's at back of it all? What's behind the curtain or beneath the surface providing us not just the better, but what is the best explanation for the sudden worldwide change of behavior that we have witnessed since the beginning of 2020? Why, in other words, are people exchanging the big things for the little things? And before we start, I miss the clock. Do we have the clock? I love that. that really <laughs> That's right. It's been a couple. I know. Weeks. I forgot about it. My fault. The poor clock. Oh, he, um, I don't wait, miss wait, wait. Him. We can keep it going it's a little like bit longer. The, it's like the alligator like in um, Peter Pan, Captain Hook. Hmm? I know how the alligator. The alligator it, eats the clock. The alligator ate a clock. Has it inside of him? Has it inside of him? And it's always ticking. All right, that's good. We got the clock. Thank you. Thank you, clock. What is the answer? I almost forgot the question. (laughs) Why? Why are people exchanging the big things for the little things? If we believe that that's fear of losing the little things, we still need to know why. Maybe because they don't see the connection between the big things and the little things. They think that the big things, they think that they're in separate categories, not related. That's definitely a good answer. But it begs another question, which is why don't they see the connection? Because they haven't put their faith in God. <laughs> Ultimately, yep. right? The answer to this is spiritual blindness, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And if we look at anything, we must go to the Bible, right? This is where we get our answer for everything. So let's open our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's read beginning at verse 1 and go through verse 12. Um, Roger, why don't you go first? All right. You can tell that Roger's reading from his phone Bible. (laughs) Go ahead. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, do not become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until a rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And um, Penelope, can you pick up from there and Mm -hmm. read from 5 through 12? Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of display of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie, and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Thank you. For this reason, reading again from verse 11, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Alex, do you see any evidence of this powerful delusion manifesting itself today? Yes. And support your, don't remember, no naked men arguments. Don't leave them unclothed. Hey, you're sticking. A straw. Don't make straw straw man arguments. Well, no, that's not actually a straw man argument. That's a a naked argument. Don't leave it unclothed. Support your position. Could you read the verse one more time? Not the verse. Do you see any evidence of this powerful delusion manifesting itself today? You said yes, and I was wondering if you can give me evidence. Yes, because I believe that was this illusion was derived from the verse, and I didn't hear the entire verse. I missed part of it. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Do you see any evidence of this powerful delusion manifesting itself today? Well, one of safety and a higher being that I am doing something, I am getting vaccinated, I'm wearing a mask, I'm doing this for the greater good, this overarching belief that I am doing something and you are not, and so therefore I am better than you. Well, how about about something more basic than that? How about the, the belief that, oh my goodness, there just happens to be this quote unquote novel virus that we've never seen before, that we happen to actually see hitting the landscape during an election year of a president that we hate. And, oh, by the way, in order to get rid of this virus, you need to stay home and mail in your vote. And 
you need to stay home and give us more of your liberties. And oh, by the way, we just happened to produce this quote-unquote vaccine, even though we had a patent for it many, many years before the release of this virus. And that vaccine is not dangerous. It's really good for you. However, even though we say it's good for you, we will not give it FDA approval so that the makers of the toxin cannot be sued, right? But everybody believes it, right? Oh, yeah, we're just going to go down this road and, oh, nothing nothing to see here, right? Nothing to be suspicious about. And this ties, I, I want you to think about it in terms of the scope. It would be one thing if this happened in one state or one country or one region of the world, but consider the scope. Where's this happened? It's happened everywhere. Everywhere. Is not the sheer size of the delusion itself a kind of evidence? But for spiritual delusion, how else would you rationally explain or account for the near universal and sudden change in behavior across the entire globe? You can't go anywhere in the world without people being infected with this belief, right? There's a very, very small portion of people raising their hands from the beginning, asking critical questions. But of course, when they do, their, their questions are disappeared or deemed misinformation, right? Mm-hmm. And that alone should tell you, oh, well, why would they do that? All right, anything else to add, Penelope or Roger or Alex? I, but by the way, I've got to say, it's very cold out today, and Alex is wearing shorts. <laughs> I taught Alex all last year, and he wore a suit and tie every week. And so he comes in the studio today, and I'm like, well, Alex, he's, he's you're, retired you're, now. You're, he's retired. He's a retired splash like you're, pad attendant. You're wearing, you're wearing shorts, and he said, oh, yeah, this is my normal outfit. I wear it all the time. I'm, I said, that can't be true because I saw you every week, and you wore a suit and tie. Casually. Except for the Christmas party when he wore a sweater. Like Santa <laughs> oh, yeah. with sunglasses. A Christmas sweater. Yeah. Christmas sweater. I should have worn my suit cut over that. Hmm. Roger had something... I was going to something. Non-splash patty to non, say. Non-splash patty. Um, yeah, just about, you mentioned covering up the lie by removing those few people, who, those few outliers who are who are raising hands, who are asking questions. And that's kind of, well, this is just building off of what you said. It kind of proves that this lie is so widespread that everyone believes it. If If there is a concentration of people who can who can prohibit those who want to ask the real questions from speaking. So that was a lot of words, and that was kind of confusing. But if there were more people who were saying, why are we doing this, it would be a lot harder to stop this information from getting out. But when only a few people are saying, are raising their hands, it's a lot easier to stifle that and to keep it under wraps. Right. And especially when you now have the technology, mm-hmm. which has never existed at this level, to be able to shut down access to information. Right. Yeah. This never would have been impossible at a different time in, exactly. in the history it, of the world. If one country decided to do this, it would take just the time Months. The time it would <laughs> yeah. take for it to reach the other, for even the idea of, oh, what they're doing over in Wait, you China. Mean never possible because you said it would never be possible. Pardon me? Did you mean possible because you said it would never be impossible? Oh, did I? Yeah. I meant to say possible. Just to clarify. Yeah, just okay. close enough. From the amount right. of time it would take to traverse the sea over to a different continent. All right, we're going to take questions, so um, we'll move to the next section. When we return, we will take those questions from our listeners. This is Jesus and the Meteorologists.
There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I remain your host until they bump me off. As a reminder to our friends outside the studio, please remember to post your questions on our Discord. Alex likes Discord. So that we can engage with you. As I mentioned last week, as I mentioned last week, we're also vetting potential new icebergs to join us here. If you or any of your friends, or if you are an adult, if you have children who would like to be considered for participation on a future episode, please provide your contact information directly to questions at icebergsnotsnowflakes.com and maybe give us an example of your icebergness. Tell us why you are an iceberg, not a snowflake. Remember, you guys remember our phrase, snowflakes may sparkle when left undisturbed, but... They are no match, match for, the for the Titanic. Titanic challenges of reality. Very good, very good. <laughs> I remembered. <clears throat> Icebergs are young men and women who can withstand the withering heat of attacks against their positions without losing the integrity of their condition or the courage of their convictions. Icebergs possess intellectual humility and curiosity, moral clarity and its byproduct, moral force, all of which we discussed actually on episode three and which are the marks of men and women who understand that God, not man, is the measure of all things. All right, so our question of the week is a, another really good one, and um, I'm going to take a sip of water as I try to read. I, I can't do that. You ever see those magicians who drink water and talk at the same time? Like a ventriloquist? No, but it's more than that. You speak. Here's the question, and this question is coming to us. <clears throat> You speak from an American perspective, but would you share the same concerns if you lived in a country whose traditions or constitution were not rooted in liberty? And this is a really good question because it, it gets to the fundamental issue of, is our concern only because, is it only an American concern? Um, the short answer is no, but it raises an important issue of the distinctions of societies. For example, and let me tie this to Romans. In Romans 13, a lot of Christians use this passage as a point at which they would say, well, we are to obey the governing authorities. Now, follow me here because I'll get back to the central question. Um, but it's important to lay the foundation. It's really important to make a distinction between raw power and legitimate authority. So if a man comes into my home, kills me, rapes my wife, and declares himself to be the head of the household— are my children obligated to obey him as their dad? No. No. Is my wife obligated to consider him her husband? No. Okay. What if the same thing happens in government? If someone usurps power and grabs it, right, illegitimately, are the people who live under that government required to just obey? Because Romans 13 says, obey the governing authorities? No. No. More importantly, or as a corollary to that, is the fact that in America, we don't have a king, right? In America, the governing authorities, as set forth so plainly in our Declaration and Constitution, who are the governing authorities in America? 
The people. The people. The people are the governing authorities. So the people through God are the principles, and the representatives whom they elect are to represent the interests of the people who elect them, right? So the reality is when any governing official in America seeks to declare himself invested with power that wasn't specifically granted to him either by the documents themselves or by the people who elected him, it is that government official who is actually violating the commands of Scripture because he's refusing to obey the governing authorities who in America are the people. Okay, so now let's move to another country. If we are talking about a country whose governing authorities are indeed a king and whose traditions are a king or a dictator, as brutal as that is to political uh, liberty, do those people in that country, because their documents and their traditions do not speak of liberty and do not give the people liberty, does that mean the people do not or should not actually have this concept of liberty? No, they should. people should still have liberty. So that begs the question, from whence does liberty come? Does it come from these documents then? No, it comes from God. It comes from God. So this is why I happen to believe that the American founding documents are the most beautiful in the history of the world because of the fact that they speak to this reality that our rights come from God, our privileges come from God, our liberties come from God. We happen to be blessed to have lived in a society where that concept is understood and advanced, and it is why America has been the most prosperous, free country in the history of the world. But that doesn't mean that liberty doesn't exist in these other countries. So I would be claiming just as vigorously. However, we've reached a really interesting, um, it's disturbing, but it's an interesting point, where in America, because we've had liberty so long, there is a, a, people are sleepwalking through what is going on. And they think, oh, our founding documents are going to protect us, or our representatives are going to protect us. Surely they know that this is America, right? Mm -hmm. And because of that, our liberties are being trampled and surrendered with no resistance. Whereas in a country that doesn't have these documents and doesn't have these traditions of liberty, the one thing they do know how to do, and that is how to resist a tyrant. And the only way to – because they can't elect their tyrants out of office, Yeah. right? The only way – well, I'll ask you – what is the way that tyrants' period of tyranny is ended in those countries that don't have free elections? And I say free elections with an asterisk, right? We're losing those here, too. When the people stop obeying. Yeah. When the people stop obeying. And we have seen this. You go back to 1986 in the Philippine Revolution where you have a couple million people who filled the square in Manila. Mm -hmm. um, this, this is what needs to happen in America. The pe as long as the people are obeying the, and I, I almost call them governing authorities, as we just explained, the people are the governing authorities. As long as people are willing to surrender their authority as the governing authorities to the people who have taken it and have used it and have abused their power, we're going to continue to see our liberties diminished and chipped away. And, and chipping is probably saying not enough because it's being taken in large chunks and swaths. <laughs> yeah. Um, More like a jackhammer than a yeah. chip. <laughs> so and using dynamite to explode it. And yet the Americans are, so many Americans are allowing this to happen under this old mentality of, well, certainly it's it, it's supposed to be this way because we elected them and we need to let them continue to, even though they're abusing power, 
we need to let them do this. Okay, so does that answer the question? I, I, let, me, let me try to tie it all back together. I would not view it differently if I were living in another country, and the resolution is actually the same in another country as it is here. The difference is, in another country where they have no free elections, because your only ability to get beyond it is to resist, they get there quicker. That sounds pretty good, Mike. They get there quicker. We are very slow, and we're, we're, the reason we're getting to such a bad place is we've been reluctant to accept the fact that we need to resist and resist in large numbers. When you resist, you take away the power of the tyrants. Excellent question. I know we've done it a couple weeks in a row, but that deserves a goal horn. All right. That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs, our producer, Rachel, and to all of our listeners and supporters. Keep sending those great questions. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do unless we believe what is true? What is true? That one does rhyme. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and you've been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. Meteorologists.